This is episode 55. 55. Episode I Can't Drive 55. <laughs> largely because I barely drive on the freeway or at all anymore. And generally, if 55 is on a sign, I'm driving 65 because it's in my uh, Illinois native contract. The first time my dad and mom visited me out here, I picked him up from the airport and about two minutes into the drive, my dad goes, well, I see you still drive like an asshole. <laughs> This is the Handsome Hockey Podcast here from Portland, Oregon. My name is Jake. I'm Evan. And we are, yeah, we're we're the guys who do the podcast that you listen to, are listening to right now. So we uh, (laughs) have some unhandsome news to start off the podcast with. We should. Uh, And actually, a decent amount of this is sort of like pointed downward in terms of like happy factor, but uh, important news nonetheless. Jake Furtanen, the former Canucks forward now playing in Russia has been charged by the Canadian authorities with sexual assault uh, after allegations that came out last year, maybe almost a year ago, uh, were investigated by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and uh, found to be credible. And so he will be charged and will he be uh, extradited from Russia? I, I, I don't think they do that, do they? Not with hockey players. No, <laughs> I, that, that's a that's a Russian joke. He is due in court on February 10th to face these charges, and his team does not play. I believe it's Spartak Moscow does not play again until the 22nd. The league has been closed down or shut down due to COVID. I would imagine he would return for this. Well, I think. I mean, I think he was arraigned on video chat or something like that like i don't know how you know the the international relations part of it goes in covid suffice to say we're glad to see the authorities take this seriously charge him and word on the street is that this woman was not the only person to experience unwanted sexual activity at jake Furtanen's hands but she was the one that was brave enough to step forward and and was kind of like propelled in the spotlight against her will but now that she's there she's been cooperating with authorities and giving them what they need. And and thanks to her, we're bringing one more bad hockey player to justice. Yeah, we reached out to the Survivor Stories Project uh, via Instagram. Uh, They are a uh, sexual sexual assault victim or they are a sexual assault victim advocacy group up in Mm -hmm. the Vancouver, B.C. area, and they've been working with the victim in this case and other cases that are potentially coming against mm. Jake Furtanen or other charges. The gist of our conversation was that there's elation at the charge being filed, these charges being filed mm. and hope that there are more charges coming against Jake Furtanen. Uh, there are a number of other women who have allegations against him. And so Hopefully, this is just the beginning of his kind of comeuppance for his awful deeds. Yeah. And I mean, the reality is all you need is one charge to stick and he's going away and more charges just increase the chance that he has to 
pay for what he's done. And so hopefully that's the outcome we're, that, that transpires. That's absolutely what we're looking for. And hopefully, you know, justice is served in this case. Yeah. And we'll obviously update you if any other news comes out regarding this case. Uh, as we all know, the wheels of justice often move very slowly. For example, this incident occurred in 2017 mm. and it's 2022 mm-hmm. and we're just getting charges it's so, cold in canada they're like stuck to the ground yeah you know, with permafrost and wheels it's- they all licked the flagpole <laughs> and i was like uh, but so we will we will keep folks uh, updated on this story as it evolves and you know hopefully justice is as as evan said hopefully justice is served not going very far away in Canada. Uh, everybody's or with the level of justice being served. Yeah, uh, everybody's favorite hockey playing psychopath, Evander Kane, uh, signed with the Oilers in a seemingly insane deal. Why? Why would you make such a deal? I do not understand. He's got a full no move, so he's getting paid one point three seven five million for effectively half of a season, and because of that. Because he signed after the beginning of the season, his cap hit is a ridiculous two point one million. Yeah, they they prorate the cap hit for uh-huh. a contract that was signed after the start of the season. I I think it's kind of funny that he got a no movement clause. Yeah, here. like that means they can't send him down to deal with him like the San Jose Sharks did. How is he getting a more secure deal in fucking? Edmonton than he did in San Jose when he was a real star player. Two words. Ken Holland. Oh, Um, yeah. That's just the highest paid GM in professional hockey. Reportedly. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Like you've completely just given away one of your tools to deal with him and his genuinely sort of disgruntled way of acting. That part to me is just unbelievable. Well, I think it's going to be kind of funny, though, because when the Oilers don't make the playoffs, they Mm -hmm. can't ship him to a contender. Yeah, (laughs) that too. Like, you know, if you were going to try and rehab his image, I'm sure part of it is to maybe trade him away for value if you're any sane GM. But uh, no, not this one. Well, it's really funny, too. So they brought in Evander Kane, immediately plop him on Connor McDavid's wing. And now Zach Hyman, who is signed for like eight years in Edmonton. Is on the third line playing with and no disrespect to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's a very good player, but mm-hmm. he's not Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. No. And so now you've got your third highest paid forward chilling on the third line. That's because because Evander Kane came in and, you know, hasn't pissed off everybody yet. Yet. Yeah. Oh, that the dun dun dun. <laughs> that was my my precursor. Word. I mean, this has to be the. uh the final throws for Ken Holland. Like he's got to see the writing on the wall and know that this is going to be somebody else's mess to clean up if, and when it inevitably goes South. It is a one year deal. So, I mean, it's relatively, you can get out of jail free at the end of the season sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, one, there's no way Ken Holland can have a job much longer. If no, and Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs. I'm willing to bet that, uh, The Oilers dispense with Ken Holland before they dispense with Patrick Kane or Patrick Kane before they dispense with Evander Kane at the end of the season. Like this just strikes me as one of those GM death throw moves. 
he's actually dead. This is just gas escaping. If he didn't have the super troubled history, this sounds like you look at his stats and you're like, wow, this is a great deal. Right. But the only reason he's available for that deal is because he has a super troubling history. It's a very odd deal mm-hmm. to make. It's it's a desperation move yeah, is right. what it really is. Like, let's not forget Evander Kane is an extremely talented hockey player. Right. He he's, just has a problem obeying uh, all rules that are applied to him. Yeah. Or like having any sort of common decency, apparently. Right. Yeah. This is a, a death throes move. This is Ken Holland saying, oh, no, I got to do something desperate, um, which is kind of maybe why he gave Darnell Nurse a eight-year, $9.25 million contract. But I mean, Darnell Nurse is actually pretty good. You know, that contract is, is rough, but also that is the market for defensemen. Like... It didn't this have just to be. He set the market for defensemen. Correct. He he did. But uh, Darnell Nurse, I I don't know. That's there's some defensibility there. Like this is just not really. There's not really that much defensibility ah! in Darnell Nurse. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of a uh, gets tons of points in the power play guy. Just the fact the lack of team controls on this is the most striking thing. Like the price, meh, fine, but just. Oh, you can't actually wave the guy? We'll see. You know, I kind of feel like he's going to be gone three weeks after they signed him. I think he's going to finish the season, and I think somebody's going to give him a contract next year. It's going to happen. <laughs> Wherever Ken Holland or... Yeah, we'll we'll see what comes of this. I think Evander Kane finishes the season there, but I don't think Edmonton mm-hmm. is any better off like they still have terrible goalies and terrible defense so. yeah i think when they miss the playoffs ken holland's gone and if Andrew Kane gone. gets a paycheck from the oilers after ken holland's last paycheck from the oilers <laughs> speaking of short-lived contracts <laughs> that was a fine transition i was actually setting it up with the three weeks joke but, yeah uh, you you uh we kind of we we kept going we diverged a bit that's yeah. fine Alex Sinatra, who had been hired in early January to be the executive director of the PHFPA, that's the Players Association of the Premier Hockey Federation. There was a lot of fanfare about the hire. People were very excited. We were excited. We were excited for three weeks, apparently. We're still kind of excited and no, have no idea why. Um, <laughs> like We're like, yeah, Alex Sinatra got hired. And then people are like, hey, guys, um, she got fired and we're like oh <laughs> very very uh quickly and yeah. um, very strangely fired yeah there's th- not a lot has come out about this i was kind of scouring the interwebs for like the deep dark sinister secrets right but they're not either either not available and nobody's talking or there aren't any the Ice Garden, which is SB Nation's women's ice hockey blog, put out an article about the decision to part ways. And in that, they state, a person involved in the process informed us that the players were unhappy with how Sinatra represented them to not only the owners, but also to the media in whatever appearances she made. Perhaps the tipping point was her appearance on a recent podcast where she mentioned the players being upset with commissioner of the PHF tied to Minia which they are not. So mm. it sounds like 
and this is me making shit up. So like, <laughs> don't take it as any sort of like actual real fact whatsoever. Well, we can read the tea leaves as best we can. Yeah. It sounds like a couple of disgruntled players talked to Alex. Alex thought that was kind of like the, the status quo of the entire group mm-hmm. and brought that to light. And the rest of the group was like, no, we're, we're no, we're not, that's not how things are going. We're actually pretty happy right now. Like this is, this is okay. And they decided to fire her for it. I think it just speaks to, uh, how delicately one has to tread in this sort of women's hockey landscape these days. We have all of this kind of tension between the PHF and the PWHPA and, and then all of this money was just infused into the process and that kind of rendered things untrue that were true before. And I wonder if, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. Well, there was also chatter that Alex Sinatra had been kind of locked out of those discussions as well. Right. And so, I mean, if the writing wasn't on the wall before that point, mm-hmm. when you lock your executive director of your union out of discussions about you getting tons more money. (laughs) That's, that's probably a bad sign, right? It leaves the PHFPA in a lurch. Uh, They have only had uh, an executive director for three weeks in the last year after Anya Packer left the role to become the GM of the RIV. The the search begins anew Mm -hmm. uh, on that front. And then for Alex Sinatra, I mean, it's hopefully she didn't quit her day job <laughs> in the meantime. Like this is, it's kind of, it's kind of a brutal Absolutely. circumstance. And, yeah. you know, I, like I've surprisingly never been fired from a job in three weeks. So I, Nor have like, I, yeah. yeah, uh, I quit a job in a month, but I've never been fired in three weeks. So what was that job? Uh, I was a dishwasher at a um, Bennigan's. It's unfortunate for Alex as well. You, you Something tells me she has something better going in than Bennigan's and you know, oh, she's a Jesus, super, I hope so. super bright young woman. Like, her, you know, she will be fine. She's going to be just fine. Hopefully the PHFPA finds somebody to take up the mantle in a way that they, the players deem fit. It didn't sound like it was a super amicable thing uh, outside of the way that everybody handled the, the animosity by saying mm-hmm. all the right things and saying, you know, we wish... Alex the best moving forward and Alex was like I wish the players moving be- or the best moving forward. Yeah, they were all of the statements were handled in, well. In Hopefully some more information comes to light and we learn a little bit more about that. Uh in the meantime, hopefully everybody comes out of this for the no worse for the wear and better off. What was really interesting about the announcement of this was that it was right before the PHF's All-Star weekend. This was held in Buffalo this year and it's the league's best coming together wearing some sweet jerseys. Yeah, I was going to say wearing some sweet jerseys. The sweater magic was beautiful this weekend. Yeah, it was. And like any kind of all-star get together, an all-star jamboree, if you will, (laughs) there was a lot of fun. Like people weren't taking it super seriously there were skills competitions and just a lot of joy I, I they had a, a goalie breakaway yes which i am a huge fan of and i really wish that the nhl would adopt this how terrifying would it be to have andre vasilevsky yeah. coming down <laughs> six foot eight andre vasilevsky like bearing down on you right or what about aaron dell <laughs> 
Uh, well, when he bears down on you, it has a completely different meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're interested about that, please listen to our previous episode, <laughs> episode 54. Yeah, Carly Jackson was the the goalie who took the breakaway challenge. And if any goalie was going to take the breakaway challenge, I'm very thankful it was Carly Jackson, who seems like the most fun person ever. She didn't score, but only barely. Kind of no, no, she did score. Did she? I thought yeah, the commentators were like, oh, and it doesn't go in. Oh, it's being waved in. Oh, oh yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a fake about. Um, oh. It's just it's a really cool thing that the PHF was able to pu- pull this together for the players. You know, every league, at least in the US, has this all star mm-hmm. sort of competition. The NFL continues to have it, despite <laughs> the fact that people don't care and also get hurt all the time in the Pro Bowl. The PHF you pulled it together and in a great setting buffalo is obviously one of the the best hockey cities in north america Mm -hmm. and so it was really cool to see them bring their you know the elite players of their league together and just have a good time with it yeah unfortunately that was a little bit overshadowed more recently by uh, brianna decker getting hurt in her olympics debut this year uh, against finland and they did win but she went out with a really bad leg injury and has already been declared out for the tournament. Huge bummer. Yeah, when you take one of the best players in women's hockey history off of a team who's still like one of the best players in the league. It's easily, not like easily. It's like Brianna Decker is one of the best women's hockey players of all time but also is still one of the best women's mm-hmm. hockey players uh so like, like it's it's a huge blow for team usa and their gold medal chances they're still the favorite or not the favorite a favorite right but, but this evens the playing field a little bit if, a they, lot, if they had yeah. an advantage talent wise over canada it was very narrow and this hurts a lot yeah so we're rooting for a canadian star to get hurt just kidding (laughs) no we never root for anybody to get hurt it does impact the u.s team obviously they are still extremely talented they are gonna they have the opportunity to bring somebody in turns out that canada brought in four players for a like quote-unquote taxi squad type Mm. situation and the u.s brought none so they have no extra players in china so if they're bringing in an extra player, they, I think, have to fly them there. So, cool, I guess. Thankfully, the U.S. responded well to this uh, this injury. Kendall Coyne-Schofield had two goals. Alex Carpenter had two goals. They beat up on a pretty good Finland team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading uh, Mike Murphy, who also works for the Ice Guard, and his tweets. And he said he kind of felt bad for Finland because they were never able to really get into the game. And, like, if you can't get into a game where the other teams you know arguably their best player like one of the best players gets knocked out of the game and like you can't capitalize on that momentum shift it's unfortunate that they for them that they couldn't capitalize on that kind of momentum shift like that you anytime a team watches one of their best players go down and get injured there's like this kind of oh shit moment mm-hmm. and the US responded to it really well and maybe the fact that finland wasn't able to capitalize is a kind of shout out to the resiliency of this u.s team and their coach uh and kendall coin schofield both afterwards talked about this like next person up next woman up philosophy and just taking what you're given and making the best out of it and it's not like the u.s doesn't have a ton of talent they do but brianna decker is one of those brightest talents so it's a bummer that she's out for the rest of the olympics 
uh, hopefully Team USA can bring it together and bring home the gold. And uh, we'll obviously be rooting for them because, you know, we are good American boys. (laughs) Also in the world of women in hockey, Danielle Goyette, who is uh, a a former Olympian and world champion with Team Canada, is in both the IIHF and the North American Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, I guess she was pretty good. Yeah, she she did all right. Uh, she is also the current uh, director of player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Tonight, as in Thursday, February 3rd, became the first female ECHL coach in history when she stepped in as an assistant coach for the Newf- Newfoundland Growlers against the Reading Royals. Uh, Danielle is going to be behind the bench tomorrow night as well. Uh, you can actually stream most of these games online. Oh, so cool. if you want to watch the second game of uh, a woman behind the bench of an EH- ECHL team, check it out. The Growlers head coach is currently sidelined with COVID. And so their assistant coach is the head coach and Danielle has stepped in as an assistant coach. So this is the first time a woman has been on the bench as a coach in ECHL history super cool yeah and good for them for making the decision you know that's one of the more interesting side stories that we've seen in covid is like people that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten a shot at doing a thing get a shot at doing a thing or you know maybe it's earlier than they would have get gotten a shot or gotten a look and uh so this was a really cool decision on their part like chris drury becoming the gm of the new york rangers <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I, I, this is, it's really cool to see. We, we talked last week about some major hirings in the Vancouver Canucks Mm -hmm. organization with regards to hiring women in hockey. This move, she's already the director of player development for possibly the most famous hockey team in the world. That says a lot about how she's respected and how she's viewed and the caliber of both hockey mind and hockey talent that she is. Mm-hmm. She had, she had also coached at the collegiate level in Canada as okay. well. So it, it makes a lot of sense for Toronto to do that, right. but for them to actually do it says a lot. And it's really awesome that Canadian teams are doing a lot of work, trying to get more women into the game. Uh, step it up. American franchises. Yeah. Bastards. <laughs> We're going to talk about the shittiest franchise in the NHL here in just a second, but they mm-hmm. did have Ken coin Schofield behind the bench of an AHL game earlier this year for the Rockford ice hags. So that's cool. They then trotted out women as if they were trophies to be ogled uh, during draft day. Yeah. Why don't we just, uh, jump on into the, uh, the, the old hell black hole that is the black hole. Jesus. Yeah. Do we really have, uh, Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, it's because I'm kind of the biggest about, story in hockey. I've been thinking about this all day. Took the transition right out of my mouth. Like I was going to talk about their uh, binders full of women moment at the draft. Like, hey, you know, we have this sexual assault scandal. Like, but did you know we hire women? Like, let's just undercut the good work we've been doing hiring women by reminding you that we hire women. And uh, then put a bunch of women on stage like human shields. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of on stage, Rocky Wirtz, along with uh, his son, CEO, Danny Wirtz, and uh, other Blackhawks officials, uh, were having a town hall presser in Chicago. And, um, you know, they're just up there in 
suits and couches and the uh reporters were like locked in a dark room all wearing masks i, I thought that was kind of a weird dichotomy but he was asked it's very it, orwellian i think yeah a little bit right like i treat reporters like i treat them like mushrooms I feed them shit and keep them in the dock but with mark lazarus and then follow-up uh, phil thompson both asked very well-worded thoughtful basically softball questions about the aftermath of the Kyle Beach sexual harassment and assault scandal, uh, to which Rocky Wirtz went on a tirade against both of them, saying that he didn't want to talk about 2010. Uh, he wanted to talk about other things. You know, they had no right to ask these questions, and which is absolute utter bullshit from like two of the uh, most senior Blackhawks reporters and people that know, you know, team ownership and the players relatively inside and out at this point. Like these guys did not deserve that kind of bullshit answer. Uh, Wirtz obviously, you know, feels very surly about actually having to make fundamental change. And, you know, after Danny previously pledged transparency and thoughtfulness and candor moving forward after these scandals, he just completely trashed that idea and undid all of the sort of young goodwill that had been developed after this scandal. I'm ready to be done with this team. It shows that they're not going to learn. It shows that they can't read the room. And it shows that they're doubling down on literally the worst kind of hockey culture, the worst parts of hockey culture, which is silence it's we don't want to talk about it and we just want to you know sell tickets and play the game and not deal with any of the human factors in bringing high level hockey to market absolutely disgraceful unconscionable and uh, just jarring i can't believe that you know someone that went out to do pr like that could just fail so spectacularly Except, well, we saw them trot out Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves to uh, almost similar results after the scandal came out. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised that they, they also just fail at PR. They also hired Marion Hosa to be part of their GM search. It's like, we're not talking about 2010, but hey, look at this guy from the 2010 well, team. Yeah, and, he's and, the best. And Patrick Sharp. Like, you know, oh, we're, we're not talking about 2010, but yet we're going to do everything in our power to uh, trade on 2010. Yeah. Uh, the actual quote was, we're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about 2010. We're moving on. Well, that was like part of a much longer much tirade. Worst quote. And like, actually, the... The videos are way worse than yeah. the quotes. Like everyone that says, "Oh, I knew, I, I read it and thought it was bad." Like then you you listen to the video and it like Wirtz sounds like a fucking abuser himself. It, you know, he, you can tell that Danny is trying to speak up and say something thoughtful. Like I genuinely think Danny Wirtz is trying to do the right thing. Uh, Rocky, like a Spike Lee movie. <laughs> yeah, Rocky playing the Bill Wirtz role and just being a complete befuddling shithead. Like it, I, I can't even anymore. I, I know you'll never be a Red Wings fan, <laughs> but I'm excited that you're no longer a Blackhawks fan. Yeah. I, I am officially uh, 
uh, I think, rescinding my fandom. I mean, barring some sort of major public relations reversal and, you know, major positive change, show me. I'm giving them the the NCAA show cause penalty. (laughs) You know, fucking show me why I should be a fan of this team anymore. Well, I think that's kind of where we should be at at all with them right like they they are the ones who have destroyed the fandom of so many people it's not exactly. it's not the people who were like turning on them it's yeah they were like oh nothing to see here we're just a hockey team with the racist mascot whatever <laughs> uh yeah hey look at our racist mascot like no there's actually a lot of smoke here oh damn Oh, you found out about this? Oh, stupid reporters. No, they're doing their jobs. Oh, I mean, stupid uh, everybody else. It's like just landmine after landmine after landmine well, right. of and, foonery. And, and the league has been complicit in this. And Gary Bettman's kind of shutting out of Rick Westhead and kind of shunning him after all of the brilliant investigative reporting he'd done. You know, we knew that a lot of this was lip service before. Oh, absolutely. But to have an owner just go and say the most awful part out loud to your face, it was an absolute insult to everyone in that organization that is actually trying to do good work and an absolute insult to any fan that was trying to give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt to work with moving forward. I mean, I was already pretty incensed that we don't know who from the players was actually taunting Kyle Beach at practice and calling him, you know, the F word and and talking about this open secret that Brent Sopel has talked about. Not the F word, but the F word. Yeah, not the fuck word. The other one. The F word is a great word. (laughs) The F word is not a great word. To go and say that, it just shows that they're not going to learn, that they haven't learned anything that this has all been for show and that they're never going to change. I think my favorite response to all of this so far has been uh, Hannah Stewart uh, at hockey with Hannah on Twitter tweeting society has moved past the need for the Chicago Blackhawks. (laughs) And I couldn't agree more. Like we've gotten to the point where like we shouldn't have to put up with this shit. And if you look at attendance of Blackhawks games, if you look in at the, the public perception of the Blackhawks in general, in if you, the shitter, if you look at anything in connection with the Blackhawks organization right now, in the shitter, it's in the shitter. Where did I hear that before? I don't know. They went out and traded for Marc Andre Fleury, who is one of the most likable people in the game. And it turns out his wife is kind of a wingnut, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, by wingnut, I mean right wingnut. Um, oh, oh. Hey, oh, uh, but like, he's one of the most lovable people in all of the NHL. And not even his grandeur and beauty can even like remove part of the stench. No. From this shit franchise. No, you kind of get blinded by his teeth for a little bit, but yeah, then it just goes back to shit. He is a beautiful man with a beautiful smile. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, the Bee Gees don't have shit on Marc-Andre Fleury's teeth. I never thought I'd utter this phrase, but I feel bad for Blackhawks fans. Like, just... Yeah? Like, this franchise that has, you know, for close to a hundred years existed and has 
you know, is one of the model franchises or up until recently had been one of the right. model franchises. An original of, six franchise. Has completely and totally shit on the idea of ethics, like the idea of morality, like the idea of like, there's this, this perception in American sports, I think, where we think of sports teams as like we and athletes and we hold them to this high standard and we hold them as like these paragons of truth or whatever. And maybe that bubble has been broken much more in the last like 10 years or so. Um, ever since we saw Ray Rice punch his wife in an elevator, I don't know, like, yeah. or maybe I'm just older now and no, I think don't I, see that anymore. I think but the like, reality of athletics has kind of bubbled to the surface more than it used to, thanks to social media and cameras being everywhere and you know it's, our surveillance state. It's super fucking toxic. Yeah, and the Blackhawks are now the epitome of that. And while I have always hated the Blackhawks. <laughs> It's I I feel bad for people, including my counterpart here, who have invested so much time and energy and money and just kind of mental exhaustion in this franchise for this franchise to treat them this way, especially for Chicago fans who are already Bears fans like this. (laughs) At least they don't do this shit, but like yet it yet yeah <laughs> whatever I, I mean it's it's a it's a matter of time for every sports <laughs> franchise i think chicago kind of like jumped off that pier first and when they landed in the water it was still ice and they broke their spine and they're just floundering there like a dying baby trying to like somehow save themselves but rocky Wurtz is just there shooting the ice with his gun trying to like get the baby to fall through and i feel genuinely bad for blackhawks fans and i hope that they can all find solace in another hockey team yeah seattle's nice and close to us yeah as a red wings fan i'm gonna tell you you're not welcome here (laughs) but that's okay um but on my no move clause (laughs) list Yeah, you have like a three-team no-move clause, and Detroit better fucking be on it. It's more like a one-team. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's reciprocated. You know, I I hope that this doesn't kill the love of hockey for a lot of these people. Yeah, I I mean, you and I sit here weekly and examine the like disgusting underbelly of hockey, and yet I somehow still love it. Right, we know what it is, but. Yeah, we know what it is, kind of like our our drunken uncle that's like funny, but we know he's kind of a piece of shit. It's it's tough to take as a, you know, kind of outgoing Blackhawks fan. Like, uh, I know a lot of people were willing to give this team a chance after the scandal and this just tirade directly from ownership, like shows that the core, the very core of this franchise is rotten and it's not going to get better. One thing that he, uh, Wirtz said that I think was really nicely quoted by uh, Nathan Strauss at Nathan P. Strauss on Twitter. Wirtz said, we are the Chicago Blackhawks and we set the tone of hockey culture. And then Nathan says, without realizing the extent that that statement is true, but in a way that he certainly didn't mean that Wirtz said something dumb like that, that could be so telling. I mean, it, 
they just they said the quiet part out loud. Like any time that Republicans hint at like not letting black people vote, like they said the quiet part out loud and it's awful. And thank God, a lot of people have just come together to say this is utter bullshit and it's unacceptable. It immediately got play on TNT as the Blackhawks got shelled five, nothing by the wild because karma, but they talked about it on NHL TNT and, you know, Kevin Weeks spoke up about it. They got Gretzky to weigh in. Wayne Gretzky. Had an opinion. Yeah. Like, he's like the most positive, non-confrontational dude. You know, he had a, a, a very, very prescient quote. I'm sitting here thinking, as a parent, you're sitting there going, my son is 18 years old and he's going to be drafted by that team. I want to know my 18-year-old son is going to be protected. Again, for Wayne Gretzky to have an opinion outside of, gee golly, this is great. (laughs) And that's no discredit to Wayne Gretzky like in any way, shape, or form. No, that's just kind of who he is. He's the second best hockey player of all time behind Steve Eiserman. Um, (laughs) he, He doesn't publicly pronounce opinions very often. No. And... You know, he he comes at it as a parent, which I think is perfect. It's yeah. Like if if you have a son who is 16 on the U.S. development team, you're sitting there going, fuck, I hope he doesn't get drafted by the Blackhawks. Absolutely. It ended up being this subject ended up being the sixth ranked Twitter topic in the U.S. today. Like hockey was number six. Yeah. For maybe the first time ever. (laughs) For all the wrong reasons. Except for the one time Gary Bettman's dad jeans was number one. <laughs> um, so last night, Rocky Wirtz reacted with a predictably awful PR statement, likely while he was asleep, written by somebody else and, you know, said some stuff and it, it was kind of meaningless. And then today, uh, both Rocky and Danny released second, like slightly better statements, but they were all just too little, too late, too weak to, in the face of this, you know, strength of this negative tirade. The whole situation just leaves you with the worst taste in your mouth. And uh, I don't feel like there's really a way forward as a fan of this team. Well, we talked last week about uh, the racist incidents um, and how a couple of them, the the perpetrators of said racist incidents in hockey and both the AHL and the ECHL had said, Oh, it was the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I just reacted and that's not me. And we talked about how, no, that actually is you, right? Like your base instincts come out in the heat of the moment or in like an off the cuff situation. And you show who you really are in those situations, right? In this situation, Rocky Wirtz, you know, and like in like the most softball lob kind of way had his back put against the wall. Yeah. And he showed who he is and what his values are. And his values are obviously I want to make money fielding a competitive hockey team and not we destroy the lives of several people mm-hmm. and we need to atone and rebuild and evolve from that. And 
so this like rehearsed Rocky and Danny's statement that came out felt exactly like that. It well, it has no merit because we already know who you are, Rocky mm-hmm. Wirtz. You've already shown us who the real Rocky Wirtz is. Right. And, you know, it just goes to show like the NHL's $2 million fine of a <laughs> almost billion dollar worth franchise. One of which one of those millions is a fairly obvious tax write off is it was fucking bullshit is yeah. what it was. And so like it shows that, you know, if you don't punish somebody to the extent of their crimes, they don't give a shit. Right. And so, you know, like, like Reed Boucher getting a slap on the wrist in the state of Michigan for sexually assaulting a 12 year old girl that teaches him no lessons, a $2 million fine to a franchise that's worth almost a billion dollars teaches them no lessons. The fact that the NHL did harsher punishments to the devils for signing Ilya Kovalchuk and to the Coyotes for uh, tampering with draft prospects <laughs> shows exactly where the league stands and it shows exactly where the Blackhawks stand. And both of those stances are really squarely in the red. And yeah. it's. And the uh, original questions weren't even asked to Rocky, they were asked to Danny, who is the CEO. To which Rocky verbally stiff-armed him out of the way to go on this tirade against these two respected reporters. I feel like we've spent enough time on the Blackhawks today Yeah, for this. Uh, it, this might be like the last fucking time we talk about them. It uh, won't no, be. No, actually it won't yeah. be because They're oh, there, are, there are more uh, allegations coming out and likely more lawsuits coming out as uh, a University of Miami player mulls uh, filing a lawsuit against the Blackhawks. It's a... Uh, shitty black eye for hockey which you you only have two eyes and both of theirs have been darkened by punches for a while now like yeah it's like oh uh, hga released a video and we're not gonna do anything about it punch in the face like <laughs> oh you know like it's it just they the hits just keep on coming and you know evan and i sit here as ardent lovers of the game of hockey but the culture that surrounds that game is super toxic and super unfortunate right now and mm-hmm. hopefully change is coming i think change has been coming i mean i think that, you know change is happening and that's part of what makes sometimes the worst parts of hockey culture bubble to the surface you know it, every time that jeff garcia maligns mina kimes or like the the equivalent happens in hockey it's because these types of men aren't comfortable in the paradigm that we're moving to it's really funny watching all of the men who describe themselves as alphas like (laughs) prove over and over and over and over again that they are betas and like oh you mean that dichotomy that the uh, researcher that coined the phrase came out and said was taken out of context and isn't real side tangent that i'll probably edit out but whatever the idea of the alpha male if you have to tell people you're an alpha male you're not an alpha male mm-hmm. it's like a 16 year old girl putting princess on the back of her chevy cavalier <laughs> if you have to tell people you ain't if you right. repeatedly tell people that you're an alpha male 
you're actually a piece of shit. Right. If you and have to use the, likes uh, you. if you have to use the Giga Chad face filter, uh, you're probably not one. Isn't that right, Aubrey Huff? You <laughs> fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Anyways, let's move on to fun stuff. I know we try and transition really well on this podcast, like the dearly departed Greg Wyshynski's transitions into his ads on Puck Soup. And this one, I'm not going to bother with it. I'm just going to say, hey, let's talk about some good shit. A couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, we talked about the Dishigan goal that <laughs> Trevor Zegras and Sonny Milano pulled off in a game. Well, Trevor Zegras uh, decided to kind of up the game a bit and did the Michigan goal at full speed. The uh, Sveshnikov, if someone uh, refers to it as the Sveshnikov, but now nah, it's really the Michigan goal. This is kind of like an adaptation and I think, or or like the evolution of the Michigan goal, I think. And I would say when, you know, professional or beer league players score it, this is kind of how they do it. Typically nowadays, it's you're picking up the puck full speed going around the net. It's like a wraparound, but in the air. It's great. It's it's a very good goal. Like, absolutely. It's super cool. Trevor Zegras is probably the third best rookie in the league this year mm-hmm. and so like i'm Even glad he's gonna win the calder he's absolutely gonna win the calder the league is just like slurping him <laughs> so hard it sucks because moritz cider definitely should be the calder trophy winner at this point or lucas raymond and i mean that's but, not even homerism on my part no, like, it's not i like they're just fully right there they're just you. better <laughs> right but also Trevor Zegras is uh, exciting and he's American and you can tell that the league is like, oh, we're going to market the living shit out of him now. Kudos to them for actually marketing one of their stars right. because they don't do that for fucking Connor <laughs> McDavid. They're like, he's in Edmonton. He's dead to us. No, he's the best player in the world. Put his highlights on ESPN and people will actually watch your fucking game. (laughs) Assholes. Anyways, it was a great goal. Jonathan Huberto kind of faked the the Michigan to set up a game winning goal. It was awesome. That was more like the original in that like he's kind of behind the net, doesn't have a whole lot of time or space. And then he kind of like fakes it. And then dishes it on the other side of the net. Huberto's having like one hell of a season. I think he's on like a 112 point pace right now or something like that. Mm. Also in kind of fun news, fun NHL news, Drew Doughty hit the thousand game mark all with the Kings. Congratulations is, to him. Yeah, it's already a prestigious career, probably a Hockey Hall of Fame caliber career. Got some of the all time great chirps in the game. He's also got an ugly mouth. <laughs> so bad. Like when they so his teammates made masks of his mouth to wear off the bus. And I was like, is that is that a butthole in the mouth? Oh, that's that's Drew Doughty's mouth. Yeah, uh, it's not ALM, uh ass like mouth. It's uh <laughs> it's Drew Doughty's mouth. And um his his toothless grin. His teammates uh is it an honor? I don't, I don't know. I think it's funny. It's yeah, hilarious. I mean, that's absolutely what teammates do for honoring people in the NHL, and it's absolutely unpopular. In, like, not funny, but, like, glowingly positive and awesome news, Joe Biden, that guy, and <laughs> Congress got together to do something actually worthwhile and uh, gave Willie O'Ree the Congressional Gold Medal, which is, like, the highest award that a non-military mm-hmm. person can win in the United States or can be right. awarded in the United States. That Trump famously gave to uh, Rush Limbaugh, um, amongst other 
non-dignitaries non-savory types yeah this it, it actually passed through the house last year and then it was taken up by Congress this year, and the, uh, the the Congressional Gold Medal was bestowed on Willie O'Ree. It's really important that somebody like Willie O'Ree is honored in this way, because one, it shows the impact that he has had on hockey and the world or mm-hmm. the country. And it also is extremely like give him all the awards sure why like, not? Yeah. yeah like th- this man has meant so much to the game of hockey and to like culture in general uh just just give him awards make some shit up <laughs> like like so when We're i was gonna give him the like nickelodeon teen choice award yeah when i was in uh when i was in college in undergrad uh i I had the the great honor of having a class on John Milton from mm. that was taught by Ralph Williams, who is at the time and probably still is the preeminent Shakespeare scholar okay. in the world. Uh, at one point, he we're sitting in class and he's not there, and it's really weird because he's always there, mm. and he comes like kicking open the doors, and his thing was he would always go around the class before class and shake everybody's hand uh which in a pre-covid time was totally fine um but (laughs) now frowned upon yes don't do it now uh he has since retired um but like so he uh he like shook everybody's hands and he goes guys i'm so sorry or folks i'm so sorry that i am late my flight was delayed i was in england talking about shakespeare and it's like he was in England talking about Shakespeare and was upset that he was like six minutes late for his <laughs> class on Milton, which isn't even his like preeminent thing of research. Um, but anyways, when he retired, the English department or the college, the University of Michigan created a teacher award specifically to give him the award <laughs> as he retired. They were like, we need to do something. Uh, oh, I know. And like gave him this award. Uh, if if anybody has a chance, Ralph Williams, there's uh, his final lecture is on YouTube and it's about Shakespeare and it's beautiful. And the man is fucking incredible. That's my that's my University of Michigan tangent today. But <laughs> what I'm saying is like, they should just make up awards to give to Willie O'Ree because he is such a deserving person for like whatever award you can bestow upon him because of it's, it's a life lived in service of his communities and his game. And that's an honorable life. Like this man has lived an honorable life. And so the fact that Congress decided to like, dispense with all the buffoonery and for like one second do something worthwhile we can't pass a fucking infrastructure bill but hey at least we can do this one really good thing yeah they didn't filibuster giving willow willie o'ree a congressional gold medal if joe manchin said one fucking thing during this i would have cut him reportedly joe manchin and kristen cinema were tricked into voting yes uh, by being told that the bill was for kicking puppies and locking them in a coal mine so speaking of things that are almost dead, uh, Jackass, the movie, 
uh, is featuring Part PK seventy four. Yeah, what? right. They're they're going after uh, Land Before Time in longevity. <laughs> um, that was real good. <laughs> uh, PK Subban will be featured in Jackass Forever. Um, Jackass Forever stealing the title from the best Batman, Batman Forever. Um, it's a bold statement. PK Subban is featured in Jackass Forever, taking slap shots and hitting guys in the balls. Taking a break from slew footing people uh, to take slap shots at people's balls. Gotta love it. I really think that uh, Jackass should have focused on the slew foot because <laughs> he's so good at it. But he also has a killer slap shot and that bit is going to be hilarious. And, and I, I want to see it. And finally, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. He's quote unquote got covid yeah and quote unquote can't participate in the all-star game alex Ovechkin, who has famously like mulled his last five participations in the all-star game can't make it this year surprise after seeing rafael nadal do the same thing and conveniently come out with a well-timed covid diagnosis is alex Ovechkin the most likable russian uh next to panarin Oh, yeah. Oh, our tummy's just, oh, he's such a, he's a wonderful, smiley kid. Right. Uh, and he plays hockey with his dog. Like, yeah. He's, he's, he's wonderful. But I mean, okay, Alex so Ovechkin. Yeah, he's did, number two. Well, in the power rankings of likable Russians, Alex Ovechkin definitely did a lot for himself with that commercial this year. Him and Bat. God, it's so him good. And- it's stupidly good. I love watching it because Ovechkin is trying so hard not to laugh at They're the end all of it. Trying so hard like, not to laugh. While Nicholas Backstrom slurps his milk. <laughs> So uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, will not be making the All-Star Game this year. Named as an alternate, Tom Wilson. Um, so a cap will be there regardless. But uh, Right, because you, every team gets a participation trophy this year. Which is fucking stupid. No, they do it every year, don't they? Baseball does it every year. I don't know if the NHL does it every year. But like... But yeah, this let's is the, not uh, pretend that like six dudes from the Avs shouldn't have been in the All-Star Game this right. year. Like, it's stupid. Like, I'm sorry, but... I'm going to guess that no fucking senators needed to be in the all-star <laughs> game this year. Yeah. And like having Nazem Kadri as a quote unquote last man in to anything. The guy like, who's like the he's like fifth in, he's scoring, fifth in points. Yeah. <laughs> and Nathan McKinnon rightfully called it out. He's like, this is bullshit. Like, right. And they're like, okay, fine. We'll let him in. Yeah. Whatever you say, Nathan. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do. You, he'll be like, Hey, put Nazem Kadri in the all-star game and get that pasta out of your mouth. <laughs> um so like Ovi, we are actually going to take next week off because we're going to the all-star game no just kidding jake's traveling somewhere very remote and uh he's gonna have a really good time uh instead we're gonna maybe have a nice bonus episode out uh i feel confident enough about getting it edited that i can actually put this on the wire but uh yeah look for something fun coming in the stead of our typical recording Thank you, as always, everybody, for listening, for participating, for reaching out to us on the internets. We really enjoy any feedback, even if it's critical, because we're honestly, we're just trying to be better, both humans and podcasters. So mm-hmm. please reach out to us if you have any concerns or comments or, you know, just want to say hi. We love hearing from you. So we are at handsomehockey.com, Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram at handsomehockey on Twitter or at handsomehockeypod at gmail.com 
and on Facebook at the Handsome Hockey Facebook page. You can find our podcast in a lot of places. You're obviously listening to us, but if you want to be like, hey, friend who likes hockey, please listen to this podcast because they are so handsome and also debonair and, you know, probably cool. Handsome enough to not have pictures of themselves on their website. Yeah, really smooth of us. <laughs> uh, we're keep, we're, that's called... That's called keeping up the ghost. It's called burying the lead. But if you want to tell your friends to listen to us anywhere, you can find us on the now Neil Young and Joni Mitchell list <laughs> Spotify. Um, much to my fucking chagrin, because On the Beach is one of the best albums of all time, and fuck you, Spotify. Anyways, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, our host, Red Circle, or YouTube occasionally when we get around to it, uh, which is infrequent at best, but hey, deal with it. We're not a professional podcast. We're just two dudes in a room surrounded by plants and cats. That's all podcasts. I hope so, yeah. Anyways... Thank you so much for listening, everybody. You all are amazing, and uh, we'll see you soon uh, when I hopefully make it back from my journeys without saying something that gets me shot. <laughs> In case I don't, I love you all. Stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau to Le Mans.